Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. A Savior is born. I like this title. Church, we can allow ourselves to be distracted by the peripheral dramas of Christmas. There's lots of them. You know, we have to buy all the right presents. That becomes a money issue, right? Then there's the whole family dynamics and drama. Not in our family, in other people's families. There's the actual day issue. You know, is it December 25th or is that just a pagan day? Or we can intentionally participate in the celebration of God himself sending our Savior to be born in the flesh here on earth. That's worth celebrating. The prophets of the Old Testament foretold this event. The Jewish people, they longed for his appearance. We do not live in the error of the hope of a Savior. We live in the error of the fulfillment of our Savior. There's a big difference there. We celebrate the reality of Christ, the Savior, born of a virgin, placed in a manger, celebrated by the angels and the shepherds, and honored with gifts from wise men. This world, pardon me, the world may celebrate Christmas for a variety of reasons. But for you and I, we celebrate because Christ, our Savior, is born. It's pretty cool. A Savior who will, here's my outline if you're wondering, a Savior who will be with us, a Savior to govern us in peace and to rule with fairness and justice for all eternity. It's a pretty lofty proclamation, isn't it? A lofty promise. Isaiah foretold of this Savior coming to earth in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now get your brain around what's happening. God is saying through the prophet Isaiah that God is going to give us a sign so that we know when the Savior of the world has come to us. The Lord himself will give you a sign. He says, look, with an exclamation point, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God promised you and I a savior who would be called Emmanuel. God himself would come to be with us. Huge concept. The sign of this miracle is the virgin will conceive a child. The promise is the savior of the world will come. Everyone say savior. savior. Will come and be present. Say be present. Be present with us. The savior of the world, Emmanuel, has come to be present with who? Us. Imagine with me, 
Slow your brain down for a second. During service, I get all excited about the kids, and worship is fantastic, and Corbin, he's the star. He's a pretty fantastic child there. Yeah, I know, we're kind of... this. I feel a lot of pride over here in this section here. They're all, yes, Corbin, he's my kid. Imagine with me. What would it mean? Just, just think with me for a second. What would it mean to you? You personally, in your mind, in your heart, to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, just to know that the Lord God Almighty was present with you, present here with you in every moment of every day. What if just as we go to work, as we get the kids ready for school, as we, as we navigate life, as we come to church, as we go to lunch afterwards, hallelujah. <laughs> we just know when we face problems, when we get that phone call that we know is going to be a difficult phone call, or you're going to have to spend Christmas with that person in the family that's a little bit difficult, you just know that God is going to be present with you. Would that boost your confidence? Would that give you a better sense of security, a sense of boldness to face the impossible? I know that God is with me, so I can just go about living my life for the glory of God, and I don't really have to worry about all these little problems that pop up. The scripture says she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's incredible. Isaiah chapter nine, further on, he goes along in in verse six and he says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. That seems familiar already this morning. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. He will be called Everlasting Father. And he will be called Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. God promises a savior who will govern in peace. Now imagine with me, I know I'm asking a lot from you this morning to use your imagination, but it's Christmas, so allow your mind to be a little bit fantastic, okay? Just, just we're going to let it go a little bit. Get a little bit wild. For all of you who are used to coloring inside of the lines, we're going to color the whole page, all right? Imagine a government of leadership who offered wise and wonderful counsel to its people. A leader who offered wise and wonderful counsel to its people, not just wishes and guesses, but are you guys okay? It's like, what, is he making a political statement? I don't know. We have to figure it out. To listen to this later. I don't know. He's about to fall over. Not just wishes and guesses, but facts 
and principles that have been tested by time. No regular human can do that. Only God incarnate can come and be that savior. Imagine a government that knew what to do. And had the power of almighty God to execute what needed to be done. I told you, your imagination was going to get really fantastic for a little bit. I know, hashtag mind blown. Right? A government that knows what to do, has the power to do it. Imagine a leader who, can, who also had the capacity to also always, always, always fill the father role in your personal life. When you need relationship advice, he is Emmanuel. He's there with us. When you need financial guidance, he is there with us. When you need encouragement to be brave, he is there with us. Imagine a leader whose character exudes peace. Hmm. Everything about this leader de-escalates people and situations. Have you ever been around people who just know how to escalate a situation? You know, you come in and you say, good morning. And they're like, no, it's not. It's not either good morning. And I can tell you why. I'll tell you why it's not a good morning. The sun is shining and it's way too bright this morning on the way to the church. I had the sun shining in my eyes and almost hit a car and it's not a good morning. <laughs> You're like, hey, we have a visitor's card to a church down the street. You're <laughs> welcome to attend. I think they want you to come there. <laughs> yeah. What if this government had the ability to de-escalate and bring peace to people and situations? When there is chaos, he shows up and all is calm. Seriously. I mean, we're, we make Christmas about the children and we make Christmas about the child in the manger, but seriously, he's coming to set up a kingdom that when he shows up, all really is calm. God promises a savior whose government of peace will rule with fairness and justice every time and never ends. God promised from the Old Testament through the prophet Isaiah a savior who would be with us, a savior to govern us in peace and to rule with fairness and justice for all eternity. This is magnificently desirable, albeit it is fantastic to think of a government that could do all of that, right? Still, we would love to have that. That's something we would want. After Isaiah's prophecies, the, the people of Israel would suffer all kinds of tragedy problems. They would have plagues, they would have droughts, immoral kings, and eventually the oppression of godless nations. We have, Isaiah comes and says, Israel, 
God is promising to send you this wonderful savior who is going to be with you, who's going to be bring peace, who's going to govern you with fairness and justice. And then everything falls apart for the nation of Israel. Now we're going to fast forward 700 years. Do so you feel like that sometimes? It's like, oh, Brent preached on a savior is born, yeehaw, and then next week it all falls apart. Yeehaw, that's in the book of Luke, actually. All right. <laughs> Isaiah had a horse. Its name was Ismi. Did you know that? I believe it's in chapter six where he says, whoa, Ismi. It's a really bad preacher joke. I don't know. I'm sorry. We will refund part of your giving this morning. Uh, talk to Diane about that. <laughs> whoa, Ismi. Whoa, is Israel, they went through all these problems. You guys are so distracting. All right, Israel goes through all these problems. We're going to fast forward from Isaiah 700 years. That's a long time. If we were to go backwards 700 years, we're in like 1300s. I say that with a question mark because I'm not good at math. All right, Matthew chapter 1. 700 years fast forward. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Jesus the Messiah, the Savior. I like to always point out that whenever we look into the New Testament and we typically see the word Christ, it is a or Messiah, it is a throwback to an Old Testament concept of Christ, the Savior. Okay? Those words go together, all right? This is how Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, the Savior to the, the Israelite people, the Hebrew people, the Savior of the world was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, that's important to the prophecy, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace Mary publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He didn't want to expose that she's pregnant before they got married. Just keep it quiet. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. Now that's important. Sorry, I'm distracted with a whole nother thought here. This is written in the book of Matthew, largely targeted towards Jewish people. Matthew proves that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecies of the Christ. So whenever he says, Joseph, son of David, one of the prophecies is that the Messiah would come as a descendant of King David. So Joseph being a son of David is big news. Okay, are you with me? Why are you looking at me like that? Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
that's what the prophet Isaiah had said would happen back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, 700 years previous. Now it's happening. This is what God had promised his people. And they've been looking forward to. And now it's happening. Do you think they're going to celebrate? They should. God has promised a savior. Now in Matthew, a savior is coming. A savior is going to be born. A virgin has conceived a child. Joseph knows this. She will have a son. Mary will have a son. And he'll be called Emmanuel. God, our savior, has come to be with us for the purpose of making us happy. Of saving his people from their sins. More than just a baby. Hang with me for a second here. More than just a baby in a manger, a savior has been born. A savior who is going to cut time in half. We like the imagery of a baby in a manger. I think that it, it's a baby in a manger. We can get our brain around that. We can kind of accept that. We can kind of appreciate that. And it gives us this little ooey-gooey feeling of a little baby helpless in a manger. And I think to some degree, we feel like we can control that. We tend to forget that the creator just made himself into his creation. The living word has become living human flesh. So God is with us in every sense of the word. He is with us for the purpose of completing his promise to Abraham, to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. God fulfills his promise of a savior who will be with us to govern us in peace and to rule with fairness and justice for all eternity. In Matthew 2 verse 1 and the following verses is the rest of the story. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the time, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. These people who know very little probably about the Hebrew faith, about the Jewish religion, they see a star, these wise men, these scholars, they say, hey, there's a star that's not normally there. There is something supernatural happening and we need to go see what it is. We have come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. 
For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. It was prophesied that the Savior would be born, not just anywhere, in Bethlehem, the city of David. It's like God worked it all out, huh? It's pretty cool. Verse seven, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Why? Because they know that this is a culmination of physical things and supernatural things. There's something happening in the heavenlies, something that is beyond humanity's control, something that is greater than we are. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is not the story of just another child or another world leader. This is the story of Jesus. It's more than a baby. This is the story of a Savior is born. A savior who will be a supernatural God, the deity himself will come and be with us to govern us in peace and to rule with fairness and justice for all eternity. It's not just a baby in a manger. A savior is born. Our savior is born. There's another of Isaiah's prophecies that is important to the story of our Savior. Jesus had spent, I'm skipping way ahead, but it's exciting and I hate to leave it out. Jesus had spent uh, 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Some of you will remember that story. He goes out, he's tempted by Satan. And he comes back in Luke chapter four, verse 14, it says, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Think of that in the sense of that all of the presence of God is in Christ Jesus. He is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him had been spreading through the region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read the scriptures. Are you picturing this? He goes to the synagogue. 
It's time to read the scriptures. Jesus stands up. The scroll of who? Isaiah. It's almost like God has a plan, huh? The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to Jesus. Jesus unrolls the scroll. I think they have to put one foot on the one end and unroll it. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. That's a drum roll in case you're wondering what's going on. The spirit, he's just reading from, from, the, from the prophet Isaiah, 700 and some odd years previous. This is what Jesus is going to read. God has already spoken. Now God incarnate is sitting here in Nazareth and he's going to read the prophecies of Isaiah. He says the spirit of the Lord. Well, we just read that Jesus just came out of the desert full of the what? Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news. We often call this the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's Favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. What is he going to say next? Then he began to speak to them. This scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Church, the spirit of the living God has come. A savior who will be with us, who will govern us in peace and to rule over us with fairness and justice for all eternity. He has come. God is with us in the midst of whatever your chaos is, and we all have our own chaos, right? Jesus is here to govern our hearts, to govern our souls, and to give us peace. Today, we can be confident that Jesus will rule over our lives with fairness and justice for all eternity. But Brent, what about, no? Nope. Jesus is here. He has come to rule over us in fairness and justice. But Brent, I don't like. It doesn't matter. Jesus is here. God is with us. And he's here to rule over us in fairness and justice. God is with us. We can be confident. We can be secure knowing that the living God takes every step alongside of us. We are not simply celebrating the birth of a baby. We celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world. So yes, we decorate and we sing carols and we give a lot of gifts and we act a little bit crazy. We wish Merry Christmas to strangers on the street because this prophecy has been fulfilled. Christ 
the Savior, he has been born. Amen? You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.